Here goes. This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Are you searching for a new job? That can be stressful, scary, and time-consuming. Pushy recruiters try to sell you on roles you don't actually want, and the job boards make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole, never to be seen again. And sometimes you go all the way through the interview process just to find out at the very end that the salary, offer, or company culture doesn't match what you're looking for. Hired is the world's most intelligent talent matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities in engineering development, design, product management, data science, sales, and marketing. We make your job search faster, focused, and stress-free. Instead of endlessly applying to companies and hoping for the best, Hired puts you in control of when and how you connect with compelling new opportunities. After completing one simple application, top employers apply to hire you. And on Hired, you receive personal interview requests and upfront salary information so you can make informed decisions about what opportunities to pursue over a condensed timeline. Hired offers access to more than 4,000 innovative employers, including big brand names like Facebook and smaller emerging startups. The size and type of company you want to connect with is totally up to you. And we help you find new opportunities in 17 major cities in North America, Europe, Asia, and Australia. Open to relocation? Let them know. Your privacy and autonomy in your job search is of utmost importance. And if you go check them out at the show's link, that's hire.com slash JavaScript Jabber, you can get double the hiring bonus that they offer. That's $600 instead of $300. So go check them out at hire.com slash JavaScript Jabber today. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another JavaScript Jabber show. This week on our panel, we have Amy Knight. Hello from Nashville. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. I just want to give a quick shout out if you're in Angular, I'm putting on Angular Dev Summit. It's free to attend live, and you can pay to get access to some of the other extras. You can go check it out at the website. We also have a special guest this week, and that's Maximilian Schwarzmuller. I hope I said that <laughs> something close to right. Yeah, well, it was pretty close. Hello, everyone. Yeah, I don't speak German. Sorry. <laughs> no, no problem. It's, it's a difficult name. Yeah. Do you want to uh, introduce yourself real quick? Just let people know who you are, what you've been up to these days? Sure. So my name is Maximilian. I live in Germany and I work as a web developer, though nowadays, these days, I mostly teach web development on Udemy and on my YouTube channel, which I got. Vue.js is one of the topics I teach. The thing I like most or why I do teaching uh, web development is that I'm actually not a web developer who learned it in college or something like that. I'm a self-taught web developer. I started with the age of 13, though, and, well, it got me since then, and I really enjoy doing it, and passing some knowledge to other people learning it is the best thing you can do in, in this job, in my opinion. Nice. Now, you've, you've got a course on Udemy on Vue.js, which is what we're going to talk about today, but what other courses do you have, just to kind of put that out there, if people are looking at uh, view and maybe some of the other frameworks or libraries out there. Yeah. Uh, so on Udemy, I, I got a big course on Angular, Angular 2 or now 4. It's the biggest course I have there. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a really very comprehensive course. I also have some generic JavaScript courses there, have a course on Angular and Node.js. And on that YouTube channel I mentioned, I, I also got even more topics like some Laravel backend development, Node.js course. So I basically try to cover the basics of the most important topics I know, at least, which you can learn these days. And that's roughly what I, what I have out there. Awesome. So let's go ahead and dive into Vue. Do you want to give us kind of the 10,000-foot view or the, the elevator pitch for Vue.js? I know people are curious sure. about it. I keep hearing people compare it to React. 
but I don't know if people really have a good idea of what it's about. Sure. So Vue.js is a relatively new framework. Originally, uh, originally it was built by, I guess, one, one guy only. Now they have a team, though, and people like it because, as you said, it's close to React, but it also has some of the features Angular, especially Angular 1 introduced back then. And it's, it's like a perfect combination of both frameworks in, in many regards. It is easier to learn than React because you don't have to mess around with JSX and get used to that everything is JavaScript paradigm. And it's more flexible and has a better performance than especially Angular 1. And it's easier than Angular 2 to learn at least and maybe also to master. So that's why it's super popular. In the end, it's a JavaScript framework, though. You build single page applications with it or you drop it into your existing application to enhance your views, add some widgets, control parts of the page with JavaScript, basically get rid of jQuery and, well, have an easier time creating awesome web applications driven by JavaScript. Nice. So if people want to learn it, I mean, what, what are some of the challenges that they run into as they pick it up? If you're brand new to Vue.js, getting started with it is actually pretty easy because Vue.js has one thing a lot of frameworks lack. It has an awesome documentation. If you go to Vue.js.org, you'll find a very comprehensive guide there, which makes getting started super simple. Now, what you still need to grasp is the, the general idea it follows. So, for example, how you structure your app, how you build components, because Vue.js, just like React, is basically all about components you use to build up your application. And you need to get used to that way of thinking about your application, especially if you're coming from a jQuery background. You basically use JavaScript to control a button and display something when you click the button. With Vue.js, you build a template where everything is controlled by Vue.js and you write a lot of JavaScript code. You don't really have to target that button and that place you want to change by hand. You use a template syntax, which you have to learn instead. Gotcha. So I'm trying to envision how this works. And I haven't, I'll admit, I just didn't have a chance. Yesterday kind of blew up on me. I was going to play with Vue.js and I just didn't. So you build a template and then you essentially just tell it how each part of the template is supposed to behave with JavaScript? Yeah. So what you do is you control parts of your page or the entire page with so-called view instances. Now, that mm -hmm. sounds complicated. In the end, it's just a JavaScript object where you say, hey, you please control that part of the page and you mark that part, for example, by an ID on an HTML element. So that's how you get started. And then you have that element under control with Vue.js, and now you write a Vue template. That is basically HTML code where you can use some extra features like mustache bindings okay. to easily output a variable or a click listener, which you assign with an easy syntax you just drop on the button itself. And that makes it much easier to hook all these things up and control them via this view instance where you then add the code, like, for example, add a method, which you can trigger via the button. The method changes a property of that view instance, and you bound that property via the mustache binding. So that is how it works together, which makes it super easy to build up these templates and control your page with you. So if I remember correctly, because I played with it for about 30 seconds, I did the Hello yeah. World and whatnot. It, to me, it looked like as if you took just the view part of Angular and you left controllers and services aside and you just focused on what what would have been all of the ng each and ng whatever, like those types of things. 
those were basically very similar from what I remember uh, to the view templates. So if you're familiar yeah. with Angular one, it's like dead simple, but simpler. Yeah, I agree. And that's what I meant at the beginning with this combination of Angular and React. As you said, it has a lot of the features you know from Angular and you just have V if instead of NG if. <laughs> it's, it's that easy. Uh, and then it also borrows some of the concepts of React, like the virtual DOM, which does super performant updating behind the scenes. Uh, so DOM updating, I mean, and other things like that. Everything is a component approach instead of controllers and, well, Angular also moved in that direction, but it really is a good combination of both. One thing that I really liked about it, um, we were using like Vue's implementation of Redux, and I liked how it used, um, you don't just use dispatch, you use commit too, and so it had that distinction. Can you kind of talk about that for people who haven't used it before? Yeah, so, so what you're meaning is Vuex, which is, as you said, its own Redux-like implementation. It's not exactly Redux, but it follows the same idea in the end. And in, in Vuex, you basically have mutations which you commit, which change the state of your application. And that's all mutations do. They don't run any asynchronous code. They do nothing like that. They just take a payload, optionally, and then change your state. But to, to change that state, you need to dispatch an action first. So that's the next building block. You have an action, you dispatch that from anywhere in your application, from any component you built. And in that action, you could run asynchronous code if you need to reach out to a server to store or fetch something. And then you commit the mutation in that action so that the mutation still runs synchronously, maybe after your asynchronous code. And then finally, besides your state, you also got getters. Getters, as the name implies, are basically the building blocks which allow you to fetch your state. So from any component or any place in your application, you can basically reach out to a getter, which is clearly defined to do a certain task. For example, fetch all posts or fetch the authentication status of your of the user in your application. And then you can use that in any uh, part of your app. And with that, you got a central place to manage your state and you have a uni uh, unidirectional flow of, of data, which is basically what you want to have a predictable, a predictable application. So one of the things that uh, I'm wondering about here with some of the stuff that I've been hearing about Vue is a lot of people seem interested, but they're, you know, they're working somewhere where they're already using React or Angular or something like that. And it seems like a lot of these frameworks, you know, Vue or Angular or React, they handle probably 70 to 80% of the cases, the same cases, just fine. And then yeah. it's the other, you know, 20% or 30% where people tend to, oh, well, you know, the way that Angular does this is really nice for this kind of app. And the way that React yeah. does this kind of thing is really nice for this kind of app. Is there a place that Vue really just shines as far as, well, man, if I was going to build a single page app or if I was going to build this kind of a component, I, I would reach for Vue first. Yeah, that, that's always difficult because it really depends on the application you're building and you're absolutely right. There is all these frameworks are obviously big frameworks for a reason. The thing where Vue.js definitely shines is the, the easy way it gives you learning it. Now, that is hardly an argument for using it in an application in a, in a, in a company or for, for any application. But if you think about it, it is a good thing because if it's easier to learn, it's easier to get new developers on the boat into your project, whatever it is, and that can be an advantage. Now, besides that, there are things like 
Vuex or the Vue router, which are all developed by the Vue team. And that's, for example, different for React. All these things work great together there, but it's, it's a more scattered out landscape. You have different teams working on different core features you basically need for React, and therefore you always have the danger of losing maintainers of these projects. So that can also be something which you can consider. In the end, it's, it has no single big super advantage, which makes it the clear pick for every project. It does have better performance due to some benchmarks. But then again, for extremely big projects, Angular might be better, especially Angular 4. But these are some things you can at least look at, like performance, e easiness of learning it, having it all from one single team, which might make it a good choice for your next project. I'm just going to like add to also to what you were saying, like the documentation on the website is excellent. Somebody asked me a couple weeks ago how I was going about learning it. Um, and I was just like, just literally the documentation is awesome by itself. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, that makes a big difference. It also makes a big uh, difference when you need a reference when you get stuck. Yeah, and I think a lot of uh, frameworks actually got this well, not as good as, as Vue.js. A good documentation is super important. And if you look at the documentation of React or Angular 2.4, they have a way, to, way to, long way to go to reach the same level of, uh, uh, well, of support or of a documentation as Vue.js has it. Yes. So one of the things that I think is really important, aside from the template stuff, is routing. Does Vue have any routing in it, or is that left up to some other framework to decide on? No, Vue.js has its own router. It doesn't ship with the core framework, but it is developed and maintained by the core Vue team. It's just a different package you have to pull in. So that, of course, has the advantage. If you don't need it, you don't have it in your bundle, but you can easily add it and it integrates nicely into your Vue project. So, for example, so, if you wanted to soup up some component on your website but not necessarily use Vue to manage the entire thing as a single-page app, you may not need the router? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. How does the router compare to UI router or whatever the React router is? In the end, it, it offers the same features like nested routes, passing parameters, having route guards. The thing is, as I said, and it integrates really nicely into Vue. So, for example, Vue.js injects a router and a route instance in every component you have, which makes it super easy for you to access the route parameters of the active route or the URL or push a new route onto the stack of routes. Now, that's nothing the other routers can't do, but here it's already baked in nothing for you to, to do. You just literally execute one line of code and you get the router in your project. So that's its main advantage. Besides that, it offers the same features all the other routers have too. That sounds really cool, actually. Yeah, it, it is super easy to, to add to any app. And... As said before, a huge advantage is that you, that you can add it, that it is super powerful, that it integrates nicely. But if you don't need it, if you just want to drop in Vue.js in an existing multi-page application, you can do that. You, you don't have to use the router. It's not something which is hard-coded into Vue. Speaking of dropping it in, um, so the experience I've had with Vue at work is like it's very, very, very easy Um to add to like a greenfield project and kind of build from there. But I'm kind of curious, like, have you ever, have you actually ever heard of someone like going from react to view or is it more people who are on like backbone or angular one that are looking at view or jQuery? I, yeah. 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 
I think, yeah, indeed, mostly jQuery. Um, I, I don't know any special case where people would have switched from React to Vue, though I think there are these cases. But but React is a great library, and with router and so on, it's a great framework, basically. So um, I think it's mostly people joining the world of JavaScript frameworks, making the move from jQuery, and there it fills a super important gap because it gives you an easier way of entering that world of front-end frameworks because prior to Vue, Angular and React both tended to have a rather steep learning curve and kind of, well, having a smoother learning curve really is a big plus here. So one other question that I have, and this comes from my experience with Angular, I remember they, you know, they had AngularJS or Angular 1 and then they started working on Angular 2 and it was, well, we're getting rid of these features and we're adding these other features. Uh, how often does that kind of turnover or uh, incompatibility between major feature or major versions or minor versions happen with Vue.js? Because it looks like yeah. now on version 2, so yeah, you know, is it a similar kind of thing? You know, you can't use 1.0 with 2.0 and yeah. How often do they upgrade it and what does that mean as you're trying to keep up? Yeah, that, that, that's a super important point. Um, the Angular team certainly, well, didn't do perfect communication when it comes to their upgrade strategy, I guess. Um, for Vue, for Vue.js, they only have two versions, two major versions, but upgrading from Vue 1 to Vue 2 was almost just a drop in. There were so, there were, there were some breaking changes, but it was super easy. The base syntax is still the same. The base language, the base framework is still the same. So you can, Use your view one code, adjust it in some places, and go on. Now, I actually got to dig deeper into view when they really released version two, so I don't have that much uh, view one experience, but I know that the upgrade process was super simple. Now, since view two, which is also already one year old, they released a couple of, um, well, bigger updates, but all of them were non-breaking. So mm -hmm. we have a clear upgrade path and there is that there hasn't been any issue upgrading any code you had. You were always able to just continue, add new features, but still use your old code, which is super important, of course. One other question that I have with this, and the reason that I hadn't looked into Vue too seriously up until now, was essentially, I, I, I kept hearing about it, but I was always worried that it was going to be kind of the flavor of the month. I mean, uh, Backbone was super popular for, you know, a number of years, and then... Yeah. We got our knockouts and, uh, you know, knockout was kind of popular for a little while. Angular kind of took off and then React took off. Do you see Vue as kind of the next thing to really take off? Or, you know, is or are we going to kind of see things settle out so that we have um, the React and the Angular and the Vue sort of ways of doing things and see them grow together? I'm, I'm I, I don't know exactly what I'm asking, but I'm kind of curious what the future you think is as far as adoption yeah. goes. Yeah, obviously hard hard to to predict that, but there are some indicators pointing to Vue.js having a a good future. Not sure if it will overtake Angular or React, both or have a very decent position and standing, but there are some some hints pointing to Vue.js becoming more important and staying important. For example. If we look at who uses Vue.js, there aren't that many companies in, in the US or in Europe, but in Asia, especially in China, Vue.js is getting used a lot. For example, Alibaba, or Alibaba, I, I hope I pronounced this correctly. Something like that. Um, excuse me? 
It's something like that. Yes. So somewhere, you, you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. they, they use Vue.js a lot. And actually, they even developed like a Ionic version for Vue.js. So uh, a framework for building hybrid applications running on mobile devices, too. So they, Vue.js sees a lot of adoption in the Asian market, which obviously is an important market. And it is becoming more important there. And I guess for the same reasons, it will, well, stay in its position and, and grow in Europe and US too. And if you will look at other stats like GitHub stars, Google trends, which of course are only momentarily measures, but still they are measures. We also see uh, an ongoing trend there. So it's not like there was this big spike and now it's kind of flattening out and, and, and going, well, just uh, straight or even declining. Now it keeps on climbing there. And so all these factors at least give a hint that Vue.js is there, there to stay and not going away. So a question I have is why do we keep on having new frameworks and why do we keep on having new versions? I mean, it seems like Shouldn't we be at a point where it's just done? It's a solved problem. We don't have to reinvent the wheel again. I mean, I would love it if there was never a Vue.js 3. That would make it a perfect framework for me. I'd, I'd be so much more interested in it if you told me there was never going to be an update to it. Yeah. It's perfect. AJ loves change. <laughs> yeah, but, but that, that's actually a question I also asked myself a couple of days ago that we, we basically have a new JavaScript framework coming out every day. And uh, Vue.js is just one of those which actually stick. But there are so many of them. And it's a good question. Why do we need new ones? Why do we need updates? I guess JavaScript itself, the language, is basically having an, a very rapid development right now. New features being added and supported by browsers. New web technologies being supported. Uh, web apps becoming more and more important than, with, for example, with progressive web apps. We, we also have more and more of a trend of have, having everything in the browser, having maybe at some point no more mobile apps or desktop apps or, or very little of them. So I guess that's one reason that JavaScript is becoming more and more important that we do more and more on the web. And for that, we want to have ever easier ways of achieving these things and building these applications. I guess another reason is that all these frameworks, of course, always make trade-offs. There is no perfect framework. Like Some of them are too big. If you look at Angular 4, it's, it's still super big, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Others are very lean, but for that reason, of course, they lack certain features. And uh, others are, are medium-sized, and you might just uh, don't need feature X they offer. So you want to have a leaner version of that. And I think that's some of, um, yeah, is one of the reasons why we have all these frameworks and all these versions and packages for frameworks that there is no perfect solution for every application. So we, we try to get a framework to for every application. And that's why they keep on evolving and, and coming up, I guess. So what, what is left undone in Vue.js? Like, is it just supporting new features of browsers? Or is there like something important that isn't complete yet? I would say it's complete as far as you can call something complete. They are working on server-side rendering to improve uh, search engine optimization and initial rendering uh, performance. They are working on progressive web app support, which, of course, is important. Um, All the frameworks that are basically working on that, I think that's the the thing you could say is missing. There might other features uh, be missing, which which I don't know yet that they will become important in the future. I would call it complete, though. I would 
say it has all the features you need to build a web application. All which is coming is optimization or unlocking some new browser features. What about I testing? Like that. So one of the things that I, I tend to care about when I'm writing applications, um, even front-end code, is testing it. Yeah. So you know how approachable is that? I know that some of the UI stuff might be a little bit trickier, but... Yeah, um, for, for testing, Vue.js doesn't have its own testing library or something like that. So you can use any JavaScript testing framework, library, test runner you want to use. For testing it, well, it actually is like with all these frameworks, I'd say, it gets tricky, as you say, if you want to test some UI interactions. But oftentimes, if you're writing a unit test for parts of your component and just want to see if input you get in gets handled correctly, that, of course, works with these default runners. But testing, now that you mentioned, might be one of the things where Vue.js can still improve by baking it deeper into the framework or offering its own testing suite or something like that. I'm also kind of curious. Um, it seems like the, the frameworks that we talk about or keep comparing Vue to are React and Angular. And both of those are basically built by teams that are backed and employed by large companies like Google and Facebook. So I, I'm curious. It, it I mean, on one hand, I can see that Vue.js probably seems a little bit more independent since the team isn't beholden then to... Uh, Facebook or Google-like entity, but at the same time, I mean, that kind of financial backing really helps the project move ahead because they're not worried about how much volunteer time they can get and whether or not they can support the infrastructure it takes to build a project like Vue. So I'm curious, what trade-offs do you see, and do you think this is a strength more than a weakness or the other way around for Vue? Yeah, definitely an important point. I personally see it a bit more as a weakness than as a strength, though you can find argument for both sides, as you just mentioned. Vue.js is kind of seeing some backing by, let's try it again, Alibaba. Alibaba. Mm -hmm. And then they also have like a, a very strong community right now. But you are right, it's not a company which is funding them. So if for some reason the the crowdfunding which they're currently using to develop it, well, is, is, is not enough anymore, uh, or it loses its popularity, then this will certainly affect the development of Vue.js. So that's an important thing to keep in mind. This, that's why I see it more as a weakness. Now, of course, strengths are that it's not bound to cater to any company products. It's not like they have to build Vue.js to work great with the company's number one service or something like that. Mm -hmm. They can build the framework they want to build. That's the big advantage on the other side. Yep. Whenever I have a new idea for an app, one of the first things I do is go find a domain name for it. The company I use and have used for years is Hover.com. Hover.com has a clean and easy to use interface. They don't try to upsell me on a bunch of services I don't want or need, and they provide free who is masking for the domains I register. So if I register a domain that's not directly tied to devchat.tv, people don't need to know that I'm the one that owns it. They also offer domains with all kinds of top level domains like dot codes and dot computer and others like dot coffee and dot pizza. So when you have your next idea strike, go to hover.com slash JavaScript to get it. Once again, that's hover.com slash JavaScript. So one, one other thing that I'm just wondering about here is, you know, we've seen a lot of popularity growth with Vue.js and you've talked about some of the things you like about it. 
and you've you, you know you've talked about some of the things that other people have said they like about it. Do you think the simplicity and the documentation and all of this accounts for the growth of Vue, or is there something else that's sort of driving the way that it grows? I'd strongly go for the simplicity in their documentation. Um, this certainly is the one thing they got right, right right from the start, basically. So the documentation always was very good. It was very approachable. The whole framework was approachable. And of course, it goes hand in hand. Documentation is great, but the framework itself works in a way that it's easy to learn. The best documentation is worth nothing if you still have a very complex framework. But here we got two things which really work through together nicely. And I think that is the reason why Vue.js took off like that. Because a lot of people, as I said earlier, a lot of people moving into the area of developing single page applications or replacing jQuery, a lot of these people now finally found a framework they can learn and which, well, is fun to learn actually and where, which makes it easy to see results only after a couple of minutes even. So you, even the documentation is interactive. In the documentation, you can basically build stuff in there and try out the features. And that is something which is easily underestimated, but... I, I'm 100% certain that this is one of the major reasons why Vue.js is as popular as it is. I guess from my experience, what I've seen kind of firsthand, and then as we were talking, I went and looked on GitHub. So if you go to Angular on GitHub, not AngularJS, but Angular, it has roughly like 26,000 stars. Vue has 62,000. And so I feel like a lot of people, you know, if there's a lot of people on Angular JS, Angular 1, whatever you want to call it, and they're wanting to quote-unquote migrate away from that. Like a lot of people aren't migrating, they're doing a rewrite. So it seems like a lot of people sense view kind of borrows a little bit from Angular 1. I feel like more people are going from Angular 1 to view than Angular 1 to Angular. Yeah, and probably also then to React. Because yeah, exactly. That's, because yeah, I, yeah. Because Vue is very similar to Angular yep. 1 in, in, in a lot of uh, areas. So that, that certainly is an important point, yeah. The, the adoption from Angular 1 to 2 to 4 certainly isn't as high as it could be, I imagine, because it's such a drastic change. And the communication of the updates also wasn't that great in the past in the Angular world. Yeah, it just it almost seems like, you know, like the onboarding process to switch is probably easiest with Vue. Yeah. Especially, you know, where I work, there's a lot of designers as well who write a tiny bit of code every once in a while. So it's a little bit easier for them to wrap their head around like, you know, you can get a hello world pretty fast. So again, just kind of like reiterating what I've been saying, that just seems to be the trend that I've seen. So they're definitely yeah. doing something right there. I, I totally agree. So in terms of long-term support, what is it that's going to keep Vue around? Uh, you mentioned there's a bunch of companies that are using it, but that doesn't always mean that they're contributing to it. So is there a support mechanism or what, what is it that's going to, that, that I can, I can count on it being there because money flows in, money flows out. Yeah. Um, so what can you count on? The, the support by big companies uh, mentioned, as we already said, is, is not based on a corporation where the company is backing it actively. But for example, as mentioned earlier, there, there is this Asian company developing, like it's called Veeks, like a framework building up on Vue to develop mobile apps. And since they do it to use it in their own products, we can kind of 
draw the assumption or the conclusion that they will that they have an interest in keeping Vue.js alive too. Now Vue.js itself has a strong community. It's no no longer a one-man show. They have a, a core team. Not all of them are working full-time on Vue.js, which also has the advantage that they are not all dependent on Vue.js financially. And it has a strong backing, for example, Laravel too, which is supporting it, I guess, also monetarily. So that is what we have to base our our hope on. There that is obviously less than for React or Angular. There is no Google or Facebook behind it, and there might never be one, but maybe well, that will change. I mean, Rails was built by, I don't remember, Was what's the company? The, the same company that does Basecamp, right? Or something like that? I actually a, don't know. So usually, I mean, usually with these popular frameworks, it's either a big company like Google Facebook, or it's a small company that they use it as part of their consultancy. Like these guys, they make their buck by saying, oh, here's a bunch of toolkit stuff. Whenever a new client comes along, we throw this on the page. We did it, get it done quick. So is, is Vue's story like that, where it came from a consultancy or was it just an idea or like, well, I'm, I'm sure there's value in the chain somewhere. The like, guy didn't just sit around and say, oh, I want to build a framework today. Yeah. So the, the developer, the original one a person developing Vue.js worked at Google. So he worked there as a developer and that's his background. That's uh, probably why he decided why he wanted to build his own framework. I guess I read in some interview that he um, wanted to build one because he wasn't happy with the tools he was working with, basically. So that that is how it uh, originated. So that's the story there. But then it really grew as a community project. So it project. was just some guy that decided he wanted to build a brand. Yeah, it, it was just that. It was <laughs> was no small company, nothing like that. Yeah, but the flip so side is, is that, yeah, solving a problem like that, it, it pushes the industry ahead in a lot of cases because it's, hey, I'm not getting what I need. Here's what I need. And then other people follow along and go, yeah, that's a good idea. And then we all benefit from it because it gets incorporated into other stuff. Sorry, Amy, go ahead. So one thing I have not dug into yet that I'm kind of curious about. So what are people using if they want to do native apps, but they want to use Vue? Yeah, they're having a hard time right now still. Um, so there, there is this framework, Weeks, which is getting developed by Alibaba. And there is another alternative. It's called Quasar. I don't know who's actually backing it, but both are in very early stages. So if you want to build a native app with Vue.js, Right now, you will probably have to build your Vue.js app, kind of fit it into a Cordova PhoneGap project setup, and then try to use that, since that will work with any JavaScript project. But that is what you'll have to go with. So there is no super easy solution. There is no React Native. There is no Ionic. Sounds like a, a call for help there. <laughs> yeah. It's a good opportunity for people. Yeah, I, I talked to somebody, what, a month or so ago. Uh, they have a product called Onsen UI. I'll put a link in the show notes. But they have Vue.js components, I guess, is whatever they are in Vue. And anyway, they've done some work making it work, yeah, with Cordova. And th there are a lot of packages working in that direction. There, for example, is also Beautify which offers material styling for Vue.js. And this doesn't make it a native app yet, but it allows you to build apps which look like native apps, at least, at least on Android. So these are the things you have to work with right now. Um, there is no perfect solution right now. 
still awesome to learn. We shouldn't end in a bad yeah. note like that. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely. Because because even if you look at uh, at Angular with Ionic, that's also not the single perfect framework which allows you to build apps for every platform and have them run with native-like performance. So it's not like uh, everything is perfect there. Vue.js is pretty new too, so we should give it some time. And it has these very high potential projects coming up. Yeah, I think it just takes time. And the thing that's really interesting about it is, yeah, I mean, what what's going to come from that effort? But, you know, we, we've also got Angular on NativeScript, and I don't see any reason why you couldn't adapt Vue to do the same th- kind of thing on NativeScript. They've also found ways of running frameworks that are not React on React Native. And so yeah. I, I think there are options. I think it's just a matter of somebody doing the work and going through some of the pain to make it so that it's not this massive effort to get your app to run. Exactly. There, There's just this uh, finished solution missing right now, which makes it super easy to get started with that. But for example, we, we also have Nuxt.js. I didn't mention that yet, which is a framework building up on Vue.js, which makes it super easy to build progressive web apps with Vue.js. So that's also an important thing mm-hmm. uh, you have to keep in mind when we're talking about native apps. So I'm going to change gears a little bit on us here. You've, like we said before, done a lot of work putting out apps or putting out courses on Udemy. I'm curious, yeah. what what is that like? How do you structure the courses and what do you think of Udemy as a whole? I started creating Udemy courses like one and a half years ago, I guess. And it basically follows a certain pattern. Each course follows a certain pattern. You, you start obviously with the idea, the, the rough top topic you want to cover. Uh, then there is some research work, what exactly should go into the course, what is in demand, what the pain points are. Then I, I like to um, build my courses around projects because you learn most if you build one or multiple projects and you see the things you learn in, in, in a real project and not just in theory. So you have to build these projects and make sure that you fit all the things you want to teach into that project and still make it approachable and realistic. And then, of course, you do the curriculum planning. So in which order do you teach topics? Um, uh, what, what should you teach early? Where do you need more theory, more slides? Where can you heavily dive into the project? And then, of course, there's the whole recording uh, part that, that takes the longest. Uh, you record videos, you edit them, you throw them away if they're bad, and you re-record them. So that is uh, what takes longest, but with, with what's also the most fun, to be honest. And then, yeah, you finally release, release the course. And for me, that, that is a great opportunity to, well, to do what I, what I really enjoy. And Udemy has been very helpful there. They, they offer a great platform. They don't imply uh, any restrictions on you. You can build courses on whatever you like. It's, it's not like they will tell you to cover a certain topic or to not do a certain course. You can do what you want. And that is awesome because that gives you full control. And if you want to do a course about uh, black and white photography, you can do that. Uh, They're not uh, keeping you from doing that. And yeah, that's a cool model. So specifically on your course for Vue, what do you get the most questions about as people work through the course? It's, It's really mixed, but since students tend to dive into a course quickly, but then pause and only come back from time to time most questions are actually about the basics so about the first few sections 
Uh, a lot of questions are related to setup problems, problems, even though that's not that difficult with Vue.js, but on certain configurations, you can run into issues there with having issues with installing Node.js, which you need to install Vue.js. And so these are the most questions I actually get. It's, it's rarely advanced questions, sometimes project-specific questions where people want to learn more about Vue.js for their own projects, but mostly these beginner uh, type, these early on questions. All right, well, let's, let's do some picks then. This episode is sponsored by Manifold. Take the DIY out of your infrastructure. Manifold is the best way to add logging, monitoring, databases, and more to your app. Essential services for applications that matter, made by developers that care. All clouds welcome. Exclusively for the JavaScript community, they are giving away $25 in free credits. Visit manifold.co slash jabber to find and redeem your coupon. AJ, do you want to start us off with picks? I do. Unfortunately, they won't benefit most people. But I'm going to pick, there's two foodie things. One, across the street from good old Dapley here in the Google, Google Fiber Building in Provo, we have a place called Broke Eatery. And uh, where I think this could be helpful is maybe somebody else starts something in the style as well. So every day, they have exactly one item on the menu. You go there sometime between 12 and 2, you pay $10, and you get an excellent meal. You get to know what it is beforehand, but you don't get to choose. You're either going to eat there or you're not. Everybody gets the same thing, and it tastes great. It's different every single day, and they have never had, except for in one case, a bunch of people wanted the same thing again. But they've been there like uh, six or eight months or so, and they've Never serve the same meal twice. So I thought that was really cool. And then I also discovered this place called – oh, and I eat there all the time. I love it. I absolutely love it. It's my favorite restaurant now. I also discovered this place called Dream Dinners. And it's kind of like a little grocery store except you go in and everything's organized around particular meals. So you go and you basically take – whatever it is to prepare the meal, the pasta, the seasoning, the chicken, whatever, you kind of semi-prepare it so that so that either you can take it home and just reheat it and it's good, or you take it home and stick it in the freezer and then later stick it in the oven and cook it done. But um, yeah, it's, it's kind of... Uh, there's a site called Blue Apron, which I think is similar. Like they send you a box with all the stuff already there, so you just put it together. Mm-hmm. But this is a store you go in and you make the box yourself and you get it with just the seasonings and whatever that you want. And so I'm, uh, I'm actually going there on Saturday to, to do that. Um, and I, I think that kind of thing is cool. Cool. Amy, what are your picks? Okay, I have a couple here. So I really love Julia Evans. She has a really good blog. Um, usually her stuff is pretty technical, but I think I saw this tweeted out on Sunday. It's more of like a soft skill. It's called Learning at Work. So uh, like it's a really good blog post for anybody, but especially newer developers, I think would really get a lot of value out of this. Um, because I feel like these are all things I know that I try to do at work and I try to encourage newer developers to do. Uh just like, you know, how do you get from, you know, junior to mid-level to senior? So at work uh, and how do you add value to your company? 
besides just learning stuff on your own. So it's a really, really, really good blog post. I would recommend like all of our listeners to read. And then my second shout out, um, I'm going to start doing lots of shout outs for November uh, because <laughs> I'm in the November Slack and just see all the work that's going into it. It's going to be, it's always an awesome conference. Like even before I lived in Nashville, uh, when I was in Baltimore, I came to it just because I loved it so much. So um, they're starting to announce the keynotes. And so today they announced Lori Voss from NPM and Kim Creighton and Ben. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to say his name correctly. It's uh, Ben from Eventbrite. He does a lot of talks on React, but it's it might be like Ilegbadu. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm probably totally butchering his name. And I'm also doing one of the keynotes. But they are continuing to announce keynotes. Uh, I believe they're accepting submissions until October, uh, August 31st. So I would highly recommend coming to uh, Nashville. You can see me and everybody else. And there's like amazing food here. It's, it'll be pretty nice in November. It won't be too terribly cold yet. So definitely come check it out. And that's it for me. Awesome. I'm going to jump in here with a few picks. Uh, AJ talking about food kind of got me going. I have been, I, I did this a while back. And then for reasons, I quit, and now I'm back on the ketogenic diet. And one of the things that I found that has been really, really helpful is a podcast. Now, if you're a fan of .NET Rocks, which is another podcast about, you guessed it, .NET, Richard and Carl have been podcasting forever. And, you know, I, I see them probably two or three times a year because uh, Microsoft, you know, has AJ and I come out to some of their conferences and talk to folks and uh, Richard and Carl are the guys that, uh, you know, along with some of the folks at Microsoft, pull this this thing together. So anyway, Two Keto Dudes is Carl's podcast that he does with another Richard. It's not Richard Campbell. It's Richard Morris, I think, who's an Australian guy. And um, anyway, if you're not familiar with the diet, it's essentially low-carb, high-fat, uh, moderated protein. And I'm diabetic, and so cutting cutting carbs almost completely out are it, anyway it's just it makes a lot of sense to me and i felt a ton better since going back on it of course i also had a headache for about a week because adapting to burn fat instead of carbs was just the way it was but now that i'm adapted i don't have the headache anymore and i'm feeling a lot lot better so uh, I'm, I'm gonna pick the ketogenic diet and i'm also gonna pick uh, two keto dudes is their podcast and if you're looking at the diet or you're struggling with the diet one of the things that I struggled with was I was eating just a lot of cheese because it's fat and I didn't know what else to make. They have a forum at Two Keto Dudes. They also have a Facebook group. Carl also mentioned in an email that the Reddit for the ketogenic diet is very helpful and they have a lot of recipes there. So uh, definitely trying out some of that stuff and seeing what I can come up with that way. But anyway, um, really enjoying that and feeling pretty darn good. Max, do you have some picks for us? Yeah, uh, I got two picks. Um, not related to view to food, unfortunately, but to view. Um, since we talked about it, there's there's one framework for Vue.js, Nux.js, which first, when you first hear it, hear it sounds a bit strange. Why would you need a framework for a framework? Now, there are two things it fixes or it makes easier when you're developing uh, Vue.js applications. And by the way, there is an alternative or, or actually the original on which Next is based for React 2. There it's called Next.js. So what do these frameworks do? They give you a clear structure for your React or in case of Next for your Vue.js application. So 
how you should where you should place your component files, how you should build them, how you should align them. It will handle routing for you. So it makes it easier for you to build Vue.js applications, which is obviously great if you are building bigger applications and you could mess up the order, the, the structure of your project. And it does one other important thing. It makes server-side rendering super important, uh, super easy. And it is super important that it does that because server-side rendering can easily be messed up due to the way it works because you might try to access some browser API, which doesn't exist on the server. So that is why Next is a really big enhancement of Vue or a nice addition if you are looking for server-side applications or server-side rendered applications or if you are looking for having a clear structure on how to build your applications. And it reached version 1, so it left the beta status a couple of weeks ago. Definitely something you could check out to enhance your view applications, but definitely also learn Vue.js first. But once you got that, that might be a nice next step. And the other click I have is something which maybe already uh, everyone already uses it, but I really like two things about Slack. And that is that you, for one, can chat with yourself, which is a great way of organizing your thoughts or writing quick notes. Um, because if you're like me and you constantly want to remember certain things and you don't just have a piece of paper next to your PC or something like that. You can just drop a line into your own chat, basically writing to yourself. And then you have this nice history of ideas. You can scroll up and easily organize your thoughts, pin them, star them, all this stuff. And that really helps me a lot, keeping track of all my projects, of the things I want to do, and make sure I don't forget anything or I write down things when they come to my mind. Nice. Now, one other question that I usually ask is if people want to find you online or follow you on Twitter or GitHub, where do they go? Yeah, so on uh, Twitter, that would be uh, on Twitter, on Twitter, that would be at MaxedApps, one word. And I also have a Facebook page, Academind. That's also my YouTube channel where you can find me. And Academind.com would be the website where you can also reach out to me. So basically searching for Academind or my name should get you there. But these are the uh, most important channels. Awesome. Well, we'll also encourage people to go check out your Udemy course on Vue.js. Definitely. And with that, we'll uh, go ahead and wrap up, and we will catch everyone next week. Bye. Cool. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.